Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. State lawmakers returning to Raleigh. I don't know why I'm reading it like that. Um, They are continuing their uh, 2023 long session, and boy, is it ever. Uh, One of the things they're going to be uh, deciding is uh, not just uh, to uh, override the governor's veto of the 747 election bill, right? but also Senate Bill 749. That's a different elections bill. All right. 749. This bill changes the way the state board of elections is determined right now. You got five members of the state board and they are all appointed by the governor. Now that he appoints three Democrats and two Republicans. If he were a Republican governor, then the Republican would appoint three Republicans, two Democrats. That's how they do it. And then the same thing holds true at every single board of elections in the state of North Carolina. The county boards have the same type of breakdown, except there are only three members at each of the county board level, each of those counties. And same political dynamic occurs there. The party that controls the the governor's seat, they control the boards of election. I have been saying for years that that is not a great system. It's not a good it's it's not a good one even. It's if you're trying to if you're trying to get people to buy into the idea that elections are being administered in an impartial, professional, objective way, I don't think you should be turning over the appointments to one person in the state. Because it all comes from him. It all comes from the governor. And it doesn't matter to me if it's a Republican governor or a Democrat governor. I don't like that makeup. Um, The Republicans have been trying, the Republican legislative leaders have been trying to change the way this is, uh, the way this is done. They've been trying to make changes to this for several years. And they have, uh, they've gone to uh, court over it because they got, uh, sued by the governor, and they lost. Um, they went. They put it up for a referendum. Remember that? It got it got defeated because they keep trying different ways to make sure they they have an inside track, rather than just approach it from a um, approach it from a nonpartisan, a credibility building a, a, a position. It always seems like they're trying to pull a fast one. It, it, they do. It's, it's what it seems like. This latest example. This bill, Senate Bill for, uh, 749, creates now an eight-member board. All right? Eight members. So first off, it's an odd number. Or it's a, rather, it's an even number. And because it's an even number, you're going to end up with ties, theoretically, right? Four Republicans, four Democrats. They would be, the board would be appointed by 
the General Assembly. Democrats say this is going to deadlock the board on important decisions. Republicans say it's only fair to have a balanced board. What about libertarians? That's not a joke. No, that's not a... Stop. That's not a joke. The, there are other parties. In fact, the Democrats are only the second largest uh, group by registration. They're the largest organized political party, sure, but they're not the most populated designation unaffiliated is. There are more registered unaffiliated voters in North Carolina than Democrats, followed by Republicans, and then all of the others. Libertarians, Greens, I think Constitution Party is now, I think they're on the ballot now. So, where, where's, where is the representation for those other groups? How do you, look, I'm not, making a, uh, I'm not making any kind of a recommendation here. I'm not saying you should do this. I've seen some uh, uh, Jeff, uh, libertarian uh, party guy local, uh, uh, Jeff Scott, he's like, hey, uh, this would be a way to do it. Let the, you know, let libertarians or the, the third parties, you know, give them a seat. I mean, if you're going to go to eight members... Why not give why not give every party that makes the ballot give them a representative at the table? How about that? Right? Keep your ballot access rules in place, although I don't agree with all of those rules, they seem pretty onerous, but you can keep all of them in place and if you qualify for the ballot, which if I recall correctly, I want to say you got to have you got to clear like was it 2% or something or 1% of the votes in the governor's race. And if you don't, then your party loses its certification. This create it used to be higher. I think it was like five percent at one point. But and and what that did was it kept all third parties off the ballot. Of course, this was under Democrat rules at the time, and 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 Democrats they, they also had the straight party ticket voting, literally straight party ticket voting. You walk in there, you press D, and you're done. Right. And then they were like, wait a minute, we're not getting a lot of these votes because people want to vote for uh, the Republican. <laughs> for president so let's we'll split it we'll split it you got to vote for the republic or you got to vote for the presidential race separate and then then pull the straight ticket um that 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 got abolished so i don't know you, you got the ballot access laws that keep a lot of these third parties off the ballots to begin with but if you can get past the hurdles go out and get the signatures then get enough votes in the uh, in the general election to keep your certification, and then you don't have to keep spending money to recertify, because in order to get recertified, you got to go around collect signatures, and you, you got to spend money. You got to spend a lot of time, money, manpower to get enough signatures to get recertified. If you don't have to do that, like Democrats, Republicans don't have to do that, then you get to devote all of that time and energy and money to you know political campaigns, getting out the vote, doing stuff like that. So keep all of those ballot access rules in place if you want, but give them all a seat at the table. How many are there? Three, four, whatever. They get a seat at the table. And then, I don't know, throw in an unaffiliated voter or something. I don't know. It just seems to me like they're, like if you really want to try to make this a credible body that is going to be as inoculated as you can be, but, you know, somewhat inoculated from charges of partisan chicanery. 
then I don't know. It just seems like like you, you, you could do this structure a little bit better. I understand the argument of 4-4. I do. And that ideally, you should just be looking at the laws, right? You shouldn't be using your position on the Board of Elections to try to game the system. Everybody should have a pretty universal understanding, and honestly, most of the decisions from the State Board of Elections as well as the local boards of elections, they are oftentimes bipartisan, unanimous. But sometimes they're not. So what happens uh, in that case? And at the county level, right, they're going to go, uh, county boards of election, they're going to go from five-member bodies tilted towards the governor's party to four-member boards with an even split. I think that's I think that's incorrect. I think they're three. Did they change that? I'm not aware of that. I thought they were always three, three members. Um, anyway, um, that's what they're looking at now. Uh, also, we've got voter ID. In case you weren't aware, Charlotte is in the middle of an election right now. Right. But nobody outside the Democrat Party knows that because we're basically run by the Democrats now. And so uh, this is where uh, a lot of these campaigns are really going to be settled. So they're in their primary right now. The September 12th is the primary date. So, if, by the way, if you're inside Charlotte City limits, I encourage you to go vote. You should go vote. And when you do, you're going to have to use an I.D. Oh, sorry. suppression. Will Duran at WRAL says after a decade of false starts and millions of dollars spent fighting over the issue at the ballot box and in the courtroom, North Carolina voters are now required to show photo identification to cast a ballot in person. The new voter ID requirement is a victory for conservatives. Yet it's a popular position. It's a victory for conservatives, the journalist says even though it is a position held by like 70% of the population. So is that a victory for just conservatives? Or would that be a victory for 70% of the electorate? I know my answer. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while. And it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. All right, I'll, all right I'm going to get back to that. I just saw, so there's a couple of things going on. We got Mitch McConnell. Apparently, he's going to be doing some sort of a news conference. I don't know if he's going to freeze up again. I don't know. I don't know. I, I already, but they're talking that he's doing a news conference. So he, does he come out and say he's fine, or is he going to come out and announce he's going to retire or resign or whatever? I don't know. Don't know. Um. We've got the Charlotte City Council election, municipal races, actually all around the state going on, uh, and we now have voter ID in place. 
After more than a decade of trying to get voter ID established in North Carolina, it is now finally in place. Uh, although there are some, there, there's another lawsuit out there trying to stop it yet again. By the way, there are like 1,900 votes so far in the primary. Did you hear that? 19, 1,000, so like fewer than 2,000 votes cast so far in the Democrat primary. Like, Democrats, you, you better step up your game, okay? This is ridiculous. You control the council. You got all the seats, right? And you're not even turning out to vote in these races? Like, what's... Oh, because it's voter ID. That's why. Uh, maybe that's it. So, oh, I see. So the voter ID is in place, and so all, all of the Democrat voters, they can't vote now. Is that the deal? That's why there's only 2,000. The city of Charlotte's got hundreds of thousands of people in it. Unaffiliated voters, you can vote in this. You can go vote in the Democrat primary. So, anyway. Um, the new voter ID law, I was reading this piece from the uh, Raleigh New, uh, sorry, the WRAL um, publication or their website by uh, Will Duran. Will, Will used to work at the News and Observer. Now he's over at WRAL. And he says the new voter ID requirement is a victory for conservatives. And as Stanley points out, the voter ID law is not a victory for anybody in particular. It's a victory for democracy. The Democrats should be especially happy about that. Right. The fact that they are not happy to have a voter ID law in place that is like the most forgiving and liberal voter ID law in America, that even that isn't enough, kind of gives away the game, guys. Um, they have pushed for stricter voting laws saying rules like voter ID are needed to improve voters' faith. They're saying this about conservatives. Uh, to improve voters' faith that elections are not being rigged. Well, yes, that's true. Yes, such concerns have skyrocketed among Republicans in recent years due to former President Donald Trump's false claims of election fraud. Uh, he does not mention in his story that Democrats believe 2016 was rigged too, or that 2000 was rigged, which they do, by the way. Yeah, it's like like two-thirds of Democrats believe that the 2016 election was stolen from Hillary by the Russians for Trump. So, yeah, it's a bipartisan thing. That's why you want there to be credibility in elections. So this way it helps to tamp down on false beliefs of rigged elections. Because if you never adopt any kind of you know rules to limit fraud and then prosecute people who engage in the fraud, if you don't treat that seriously, guess what? People don't believe it's credible. Kind of funny like that. All righty, so Will Duran writing for WRAL on the voter ID requirement now in North Carolina. This was a piece from a couple of days back. And he says that uh, the uh, voter ID is a setback for progressives and civil rights activists. See, once again, like, the adoption of the narrative is always what gets me. It's a setback for progressives. Hashtag not all progressives. Hashtag not all civil rights activists. The fact that you think that, that this is limited. I mean, he does. He even mentions later on in the piece that there was a voter ID amendment to the state constitution that was voter approved. 55% supported it. And polling is usually somewhere around 70%. So... This idea that 
it's this clean partisan breakout. Anyway, he says that the uh, opponents say the law isn't actually intended to fight voter fraud, which is rare already. Indeed, uh, or sorry, instead, they say it's being put in place to make voting harder for poor people, minorities and college students, all of whom tend to support Democrats. Right. It's a free ID, folks. There are free IDs, and the law actually includes ways for the IDs to come to you. It, it, it's, it's just absurd. It's, this, it's, this, it's an assumption and then ascribing motive to Republicans and anybody else, and 55% of voters, 70% of your fellow North Carolinians, that support voter ID and you and this is what you think of them that it's all it's all to keep themselves in some cases from voting it's just asinine past studies have shown that even though most people do have a photo ID <laughs> the people who lack IDs are disproportionately black and particularly tend to be older black residents he goes on to say many of the people who cast the state's very first ballots using the new voter ID rules fit that exact demographic. And several of them told WRAL, they don't mind the rules. <laughs> right. So here's the other thing too, folks. Just as a heads up on this, they, we've been fighting over the voter ID for so long now, like 15 years, there, that eventually all of the people who were born before you know birth certificates were available Seriously, like that's who we're talking about. People who are like 110 years old, you know? And they were born in the Jim Crow South. They were born, you know, to in poverty. They weren't near a hospital or whatever. And like they, they didn't get access to a birth certificate. Like these are the types of stories that we hear when it comes to lacking an ID. And again, in the law, they're, they're, they're going to have like a mobile ID van and they're going to go around and Get you your IDs. They're gonna, they're gonna, you're gonna be able to do them in the DMV stations anywhere. Just get free ID cards. Like making it as easy as possible for you to get the the ID. If you don't want an ID, you've had to like willfully not get one. You've had to make a decision. I don't want a free state issued ID to go vote. One, uh, sorry, one man, William Richardson, one of the very first people to cast a ballot in Sanford, North Carolina, for their city council primary, said, quote, they need to make sure you are who you say you are. Indeed. Another Sanford Democrat and early voter, Tennessee Richmond, has a long history of participating in local elections. She said she has no problems adjusting to the new process. Quote, no, it was just fine. It's more complicated, though, in Charlotte, the state's biggest city and the only other place with an election happening right now. There are more elections on the ballot, more people expected to show up to vote. Yeah, there's like 1900. Um, <laughs> that's because nobody has an ID, I guess. Um, and they got 10 early voting sites for election officials to monitor, not just one. Michael Dickerson, the Mecklenburg County Elections Director, told WRAL before voting started that he planned to ramp up staffing more than normal so that more poll workers get experience with the new rules ahead of the busier elections this fall. 
and then 2024. Quote, we are probably a little heavy for this primary in terms of workers, but the idea is to make certain our workers are comfortable with the changes, he said. And once voting started Thursday, uh, he said things were going smoothly. Quote, no problem today and no issues with the photo ID. Dang it, Michael. What are you doing? Ixnay on the... Okay. Although Republicans have now won the main state-level lawsuit against voter ID, the leftists are still trying. I'm just kidding. Will Durant didn't say that. I just did. Uh, he says there's still a federal lawsuit moving forward filed by the NAACP and other civil rights groups, and more could be filed if problems arise now that voter ID is actually being used. I do kind of feel bad for uh, the NAACP in this regard. They have raised so much money. They have employed so many lawyers. They have kept so many people on the payroll um, for so long using voter ID in North Carolina. I'm sure it's terrifying to them to not be able to use the issue for those purposes any longer, right? They're going to need to find some other issue. I think like the redistricting thing, very promising. They're, they got a lot going on with the redistricting thing. And it, it seems to never end, right? So, and there can never be any resolution, I don't think. There's always going to be lawsuits to be filed and that sort of thing. So I, I, that's where they're going to have to shift all of their attention because I think like the voter ID thing, this is kind of the last one. This is the last lawsuit. Um, voter ID is a key element of coming election reforms, writes the folks at Carolina Partnership for Reform out of Raleigh. A quick look. And how much money liberals poured into the 2018 statewide ballot referendum campaign to defeat the voter ID law shows how much they wanted to stop it. The amounts were staggering. The two main groups opposed to the voter ID law. One was called by the people and another was called stop deceptive amendments. Grand total from these two groups. Almost nine point two million dollars spent to get people to vote in opposition to all of the amendments. But they mainly focused on like four of them. They didn't turn any attention to the, the, the constitutional right to hunt and fish. They didn't pay much attention to the Marcy's law or Darcy's law. I forget which it was, but they, they didn't because it was a victim rights bill. So they didn't pay much attention to that. It was the other four. There was an elections board uh, reform bill in there, Right. There was this, the, the, the income tax rate, capping the income tax rate at 7% rather than 10%, which was just restoring it to the original constitutional level. Um, and voter ID was one of the others. So they spent $9.2 million to get it defeated. There was one group called NC Voter ID PAC, and they were leading the charge to get it approved, and they spent $655,000. So less than, or yeah, uh, yeah, a little more than half a million to 9.2 million. Contributors to the opposition groups included the Open Society Policy Center. You know what that is, right? The Open Society Policy Center. That's one of the George Soros groups. The National Education Foundation, America Votes, a group organized according to its IRS filing to, quote, coordinate and promote progressive issues, policies, initiatives, and referenda. They had an $8 million funding advantage, and they still lost. And that should tell you all you need to know about the people's desire to have 
voter integrity, election integrity, and voter ID. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? North Carolina Democratic Governor Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray, vetoed the elections bill, the 747, at the airplane of bad legislation. I think something like that. They were trying to they were trying to brand it. Democrats in the media, but I repeat myself, we're trying to brand the Senate Bill 747. It's like the airplane of bad election law. Something. It didn't work. As you can tell, because I can't even remember, and they ditched it very quickly. You know. Like Captain Sully might have done it. No, all right, never mind. 747, Senate Bill 747 would get rid of, this is, by the way, a piece at WRAL as well, but this one's by Laura Leslie. And Laura Leslie, writing about the uh, the veto of the election reform bill, would get rid of the current three-day grace period for mail-in ballots postmarked by Election Day. Moving the acceptance deadline from the current Friday after an election to election day evening it would also allow more partisan poll observers at voting locations and require a 10 county pilot test of signature verification software for absentee mail-in ballots so what's wrong with these things nothing there's nothing wrong with these things the election deadline the election day deadline used to be the deadline it got changed year several years ago i want to say about was it, it's like a decade, maybe? It may have been before Republicans took over, but they changed it. And you know what? Maybe that was the wrong call. I don't care what the vote was. I don't care if it was Republicans that changed it. It was the wrong call, especially when we saw what we've now seen, where the mail-in ballots, they come in, and now we see arguments from uh, you know the former Supreme Court Chief Justice, Sherry Beasley, when she lost her race to Paul Newby, and she's making this art, her lawyers are making the argument that, well, okay, that absentee ballot, it doesn't even have a postmark on it, but still, you know, it got here, you know, and it got here two days after election day, so it should still count. Like, well, no, it has to have a postmark on it. No, well, I mean, but it got here, so we obviously know it got delivered. Do we, though? Right? The point of having the rules is to make it more difficult for people to cheat. Otherwise, why have any rules? Any rule is a restriction. And any restriction can be billed as suppressive. Okay? So, yes, setting it as a, you got to have the thing in the elections office by the close of business, by the close of the polls, actually, on election day. It's got to be there. When the polls close, that's it. No more ballots get to keep coming in after the polls close. That's one way to restore confidence that people aren't stuffing ballot boxes. And don't tell me it doesn't happen, because it does happen. 
North Carolina has a history of it happening. Like 20 years ago, there was a case of it out of Western North Carolina. So don't tell me it doesn't happen. More poll observers. Good. Yeah, you'll be able to challenge people. and Yeah, good. Um, yeah, transparency, accountability, monitoring, eyes on the precincts. Well, we don't know if people are going to like make false accusations. Well, if they do, then you deal with that as the law would require. Right? If you get people that just abuse the system, then you kick them out. But the idea is to police against fraud. Um, she goes on to say, Laura Leslie does it, WREO. Cooper said Republicans really do not want you to vote if you're a young person, uh, college students away from home, or black or brown citizens. So playing the race card, Roy Cooper is, and th- that is, of course, not true. They, they would prefer you vote for them. Republicans would like you all to vote for them, just like Democrats would like you all to vote for them. When somebody can't argue the facts of the bill, they just make things up, said House Speaker Tim Moore. The reality is we want everybody to vote who's legally a citizen to vote. We want them to vote. We want them to have a photo ID. And then she has a quote from a woman named Melissa Price Crom, the director of NC Voters for Clean Elections. And she echoed Cooper, saying the effort may only sow more distrust among voters. Asking asking people to prove who they are before they vote is going to make people not trust the system. Okay, that makes sense, I guess, to a progressive. Oh, but we don't know if this woman's a progressive. She's just listed as the director of NC Voters for Clean Elections, right? No, yeah, it's, I'm sure it's like it's a good government entity or something. Sure, must be, right? Well, here, let's uh, let's take a look here. Um, Melissa Price Crom, um, she has voted in every single Democrat primary for 20 years. Totally nonpartisan, I bet. Um, board members of the uh, yeah Voters for Clean Elections, Melissa Price Crom, Logan Smith, former communications director for Progress North Carolina. He's worked in progressive politics in Raleigh since 2013. Uh, the vice chair is Carolyn Smith, uh, coming from Democracy, North Carolina. Adam Savolto comes from the North Carolina Justice Center. Cheryl Carter, the co-executive director of Democracy, North Carolina. Shavi Koneru, formerly working at NARAL. Mary B. McMillan, president of the North Carolina State AFL-CIO. And Jane Pinsky... North Carolina Coalition for Lobbying and Government Reform, a common cause North Carolina affiliate. The constellation of leftists. Never identified at WRAO.